Isn't Danny's story so powerful? Just so amazing to see a picture, right, of what transformation actually looks like. And what I love about Danny's story is it's a reminder to me, hopefully even a reminder to you, that God can use anything. He used a desk, right? He used a desk, and then he used Jeff Kresser, who I just want to say a public shout-out to Jeff. Those of you that know him, he is filled with the light and the love of Jesus, and God just used all of that in Danny's life. And so you never know what God is going to use. You never know what God is going to use. And how cool is this? At the 830 service, do you know what God used? God actually used Danny's story, and his wife, Elisa, got baptized. How amazing is that? You just never know how God is on the move. And, you know, this is one of my favorite days here at Soul City, uh, where every day ordinary people like Danny uh, have a sacred moment marking that their lives belong to Jesus to make it known publicly that this is what transformation looks like in public. And you know, all week as I was praying for this day and as I was thinking about this day, I just had this sense from God that he wanted to do exceedingly more than any of us could ever dream or imagine. And I am believing that for some of you even here today. Because you came here to church today and you are ready last night. You know, you, you saw like it's baptism Sunday. I'm gonna make sure that I'm gonna clear out all my storage on my phone because I don't wanna have that moment, you know, where I go to take my picture and it says you have no more storage. So you prepared your iPhone for today or your, your cell phone for today. You're ready to take pictures. You got your arms working out yesterday for the holy hug, right? You are ready to just come in and embrace people and and you are ready you are set to celebrate what God is doing in other people's lives and little did you know we're going to be celebrating your life we're going to be celebrating your life because I believe the spirit of God is moving here today and there are some of you you had no idea you were coming to church today and you're going to go home and you're going to say that was my day that was the day that the Lord moved that the spirit spoke and I chose to be baptized You know, over the past month, we have been doing some life swaps around here. Uh, We have been kind of doing a holy cleaning out of the closet. How many of you love to clean out your closet? I love to clean out my closet. Oh, I love to clean out my drawers. I sometimes just go and clean out other people's closets and drawers. I just, I love it so much. And over the last month, we have been doing a holy clean out. We have been doing a holy life swap. And we've been looking at the life swaps that God invites us into, these things that we've kind of put on, these things that we've been storing in the closet of our lives when God actually says, no, I have something so much better for you. I have something more. And we've been swapping out things like shame for worth. We've been swapping out worry for peace. We've been swapping out things like hiding for putting on vulnerability. And last week, we did a life swap of when we put on should, when we live in obligation, and instead we exchange that for a life of can. What does love say I can do? And as we get ready to celebrate baptism today, I want to look at one last life swap. I want to look at one last life swap, and that is the life swap of when we move from darkness 
to light. And for just a moment, I wanna wrestle with a very important question that I actually believe every single one of us has asked, either in a conscious or a unconscious way. What do you do when your life doesn't feel light? Like, what do you do when life actually doesn't feel light? When life feels heavy, when life feels hard, when life feels uh, dark or confusing or overwhelming, what do you do when it feels like this is what you're wearing? That this is what life actually feels like. And, and it feels confusing and it feels overwhelming and it feels stressful. And, and maybe, you know, if you were to be honest, you would say like, yeah, I, I don't know if, I, if I'm fully wearing darkness, but there are parts of my life that feel dark. There are parts of my story that feel dark. There are parts of my circumstances that are heavy and hard and confusing and stressful and they don't make sense. And you probably can see light like breaking through your life in some ways, but you know, there is a part of your life that feels dark. And for just a moment, I want to look at one last moment in the life of Paul. We've been looking at different letters and writings from the life of Paul. And I want you to grab the Bible. It's in the seat uh, in front of you. And I want you to turn to the book of Acts for just a moment this morning. It's found on page 890, Acts 9, 3 through 19. And I, I want to give you a little bit of context as you're turning there. Uh, Paul, who we've been looking at over the last month, he actually was first known as Saul. So Paul was a new name that God gave to him, and his, his given name was the name Saul. And Saul's greatest ambition was to stop the movement of Jesus. He was known as a persecutor of the church, uh, and where we pick up in the story of Saul, essentially he was just traveling on a road. The road was named the Damascus Road. He was traveling on a road with a group of friends, and he has a life swap encounter. We're going to start in verse three, and this is what it says. As he neared Damascus on his journey, suddenly a light from heaven flashed around him. He fell to the ground, heard a voice say to him, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? Who are you, Lord? Saul asked. I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting, he replied. Now get up, go into the city, and you will be told what you must do. The men traveling with Saul, they stood there, and they were speechless in this moment. They heard the sound, but they did not see anyone. And so Saul, he got up from the ground, but when he opened his eyes, he could see nothing. So they led him by the hand into Damascus, and for three days he was there, and he was blind, and he didn't eat or drink anything. Now I want to pause for a minute. Can you imagine this moment for just a second? You know, sometimes I think we read the Bible and we're like, oh yeah, that's a story in the Bible. I want you to put yourself in the position of Saul. You're walking down Michigan Avenue with a bunch of your friends. You're just minding your own business. You're going shopping. You're having a great day. The sun is shining. Like the six days that it shines in Chicago, right? You're having a great day. And there is a light, like, you've never experienced before from heaven. 
and it interrupts your moment, it interrupts your day, and you literally fall to the ground. Now, if it were me, if that were me walking down Michigan Avenue and that happened, I don't think the things that I would have said or done could have actually been recorded and put into the Bible. They, they would have had to have like a holy editing session. Like, no, we, we, really, we can't put that in there, right? I mean, can you imagine that moment? A life from heaven stops Saul in his tracks. He falls to the ground. The passage says that the guys that were with him, they literally had no words. They had no words. They didn't even know what to do. And Saul was legitimately blind. Now, he had been living in a metaphorical darkness in his life, but now he had a physical darkness. Can you imagine standing up and you cannot see? So his friends lead him to the city and they wait there at a house for three days in the dark. The passage goes on and it says, in Damascus there was this disciple named Ananias. And the Lord called to him in a vision and said, Ananias, yes, Lord, he answered. The Lord told him, I want you to do this. I want you to go to the house of Judas on Straight Street, and I want you to ask for a man from Tarsus named Saul, for he is there and he is praying. In a vision, he has seen a man named Ananias come and place his hands on him to restore his sight. Lord, Ananias answered, listen, I, I know that you are God. I know that you are over the entire universe. I don't mean to interrupt you. This is how it would have gone down if it were me, right? I have heard many reports about this man and all the harm that he has done to your holy people in Jerusalem, i.e., are you sure? Are you sure this is what you want me to do? And he's come here, and he has authority, Lord, from the chief priest to arrest all who call on your name. But the Lord said to Ananias, I want you to go anyways. This man is my chosen instrument to proclaim my name to the Gentiles and their kings and to the people of Israel. I will show him how much he will actually and must suffer for my name. Now, I love Ananias in this moment. I love his humanity. I love his boldness. I mean, he's like, Lord, no disrespect, okay? But do you know who you're asking me to go see? Do you, have you not heard the reports? Have they not found their way up to heaven? All that Saul has been doing to persecute your message, your people, and you want me to go put my hands on Saul. No disrespect, but I think this is not a good idea, Lord, right? I mean, that has to be what's going on in Ananias' mind and in his heart. But look at this. It says, then Ananias, he went to the house and he entered it, placing his hands on Saul. He said, brother Saul, the Lord Jesus, who appeared to you on the road as you were coming here, has sent me so that you may see again so that you may be filled with the Holy Spirit. And it says immediately something like scales actually fell from Saul's eyes and he could see again. He got up and in that moment, he was baptized. And after taking some food, he regained his strength. Now this is quite a moment in the life of Saul. 
It, it, it says that literally there was something of a physical magnitude that had formed on Saul's eyes that literally fell from his eyes. And I believe in that moment, what was happening for Saul was I believe that he was actually truly seeing for the very first time. That what was occurring was Saul could actually see for the very first time because he experienced new light. And I love it in this moment. He doesn't even wait a moment. The Bible says that he gets up and the first thing that he did was he was baptized. And I love Saul in this moment because it says the second thing that he did was he ate a meal. <laughs> the man has his priorities straight, right? He's like, I'm going to get baptized and then I'm going to eat a meal. I think we need to start serving a meal after every single baptism here, right? I mean, what an incredible, incredible moment. And if you were... To read on in the life of Saul, you would find that what uh, happened after that was that was when Jesus said, you are no longer going to be known as Saul. You are now going to be known as Paul. There was an identity shift. There was a life swap, a physical life swap. Saul moved from darkness to light. And, And it happened even in a physical way for him. He couldn't see, and then Jesus restored his light. And Saul had spent the entirety of his life thinking one thing, and in a moment, everything changed. Everything changed. Saul was not walking down the road even thinking that he was in darkness, let alone that he wanted to leave the darkness. But when Jesus enters our lives, everything changes. Everything changes. And those of you, the ones of you in this room, and Jesus has entered your life, you know this, don't you? When Jesus enters your life, everything changes. But here's what I know about darkness and light. Here's what I know about darkness and light. You see, sometimes when we are in the dark, we don't like it when someone turns the lights on, do we? When we are in the dark, sometimes our preference is to stay in the dark. My kids are finally on their summer break, and I think their alarm clocks also went on summer break. Because every single morning, you know, Jared and I have had to go in their rooms and wake them up. Come on, Elijah, it's time to get up. It's time to go to camp. Come on, Gigi, it's time to get up. It's time to go to camp. Ten minutes later, they are still asleep, right? I mean, they are in the summer morning, like just like cocoon of darkness in their room. And they are not wanting to get out of it. Sometimes when we are in the dark, we don't want to get out of the dark. We don't like it when someone decides to turn the lights on. We don't like it physically. We don't like it relationally. We don't like it emotionally even sometimes. And we don't like it spiritually. Because sometimes we really get ourselves attached to our ways of living in the dark. You know, even all the way back in the garden, God said that light was good, but people have always found a way to escape the light and to choose darkness instead, even though we were created as people to live in the light. You know, many of us, we choose darkness in all kinds of different ways. Some of us, the way that we choose darkness is we just have to be right all the time. It's a way that we choose darkness. Some of us, we choose darkness by consistently looking at our needs over the needs of others. 
Many of us choose darkness because we choose to not be patient and kind and loving with the people that we love most. And it's a way that we choose darkness in our lives. Many of us choose darkness because we have this deep need to always be in control. I don't know anything about that. People have told me it's, it's a really difficult struggle. Um, it's a way that I choose darkness. Of saying over and over again, my will, not your will, my will, not your will. And it's a way that we choose darkness in our lives. Some of us, we choose darkness by avoiding. Some of us choose darkness by numbing, by medicating, or staying addicted. Some of us choose darkness by staying angry. We know that there's an opportunity to, to offer forgiveness and to experience restoration and reconciliation. And instead, we stay stubborn and we stay determined. And I'm, gonna, I'm not going to forgive that person. Many of us choose darkness by being judgmental. I don't know what it is for you. I don't know how you choose darkness. But there are so many ways that we do it. And many of us know what it's like to choose darkness in our lives. And God knew that left to ourselves, we would continue to fumble around and bump into things as we live life in the dark. And that is why the Bible literally describes Jesus as the gift of light. He's the gift of light. John 1, 4 says, in him was life and that life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness and the darkness has not overcome it. Amen. That is who Jesus is. That is who Jesus is. There is nothing, there is nothing that he cannot or will not overcome in your life. Jesus is the only one that gives us the ability to see that there is light despite all the darkness in the world. Because the light of Jesus is the essence of hope. You see, Jesus is the light that leads to life. That's who Jesus is. He is the light that leads to life. And if there are places that feel dark, you need to hear this today. The light of Jesus can invade that darkness. And his light is a light of hope. His light is a light of love. It is a light of freedom. It is a light where you don't have to pretend anymore. It is a light where you can take off all of these old lives and swap it out for hope and for truth, and for love, and for light. John 8, 12 says, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. You know, I'm not, I'm not sure what's going on in your life today, but I'm sure about this. The Spirit of God told you to be here today. You are not here by accident. I trust that the Spirit of God is moving in this place. And that little prompting that you feel inside right now, that's the Holy Spirit inviting you into the most holy of life swaps to move from darkness to light. Two days ago, I got a message in my um, DMs. And so many of you have been reaching out to me and I cannot tell you how grateful I am. I cannot tell you 
how much I feel so loved and prayed for and held up in a season that I would not have chosen. A season that feels dark, but that I know the light of Jesus is holding me. And I got this message on Friday from a girl here in our church. Her name is Sabrina. And she said, Jeannie, I know that you don't know me. Um, I go to Soul City. I've been here for a little while. And I just want you to know that I have been praying for you. I have been holding you up. God has put you on my mind over and over and over again. And I just want you to know, I know what you're going through. She went on to explain to me that three and a half weeks ago, her brother was hit by a drunk driver. And it captured my attention, her message, and I emailed her right back or DM'd her right back and said, Sabrina, thank you so much for your prayers. Thank you so much for reaching out to me. You said three and a half weeks ago, what day did your brother pass? And she said it was on the morning of June 5th the very same morning that my brother passed. And she said, I'm reaching out to you because what I want you to know is that I don't want to go through this life in darkness. I don't want to go through this life even in the midst of such heartbreaking pain, even in the midst of a circumstance that I would have never chosen. I don't want to go through this life in the darkness and instead I want to go through with light. And so I want to let you know that I'm going to be baptized on Sunday morning. And she said, I know these were her exact words that he is bigger and stronger than any battle I go through. And this is a picture of Sabrina being baptized in the last service today. Today. So what's your excuse? I say that in the most loving pastoral way I can say it. <laughs> what is standing in the way? What is standing in the way of you getting into these waters and saying, Jesus, I need you. Some of you, I know, you know, we come to these baptism services and you're like, Oh, gosh, I forgot the date. Oh, I forgot to put it on my calendar. I need to send my Evite out. I'll do it the next time, right? I want all my people there, and I want to make sure my hair looks good, and, and my makeup is great, and, and I'll do it the next time, right? And you continue to show up over and over and over again, and I want to say to you today, today is your day. Today is your day. There is nothing to wait for anymore. Maybe you're waiting because for you, you know, there's a part of you that just keeps saying, you know, I, I just, if I could just get my life cleaned up before I get into that water. If I could just get things situated and worked out. Listen, friends, here is the truth. There is not a single person that found God by doing everything right. We find God because we realize how much we need God. Not because we have done everything right. Jesus is the one that makes us new. Jesus is the one that takes us from dark to light. Maybe you're saying, listen, here's my thing. I know it may sound crazy. I just, I don't want to get wet. I mean, if I'm going to be honest, I don't want to get wet. And I don't think I want to get wet in front of like hundreds of people. Now, 
I can't fix the wet part. But here's what I do know. We have every single thing that you might need. We have shorts and we have t-shirts and we have underwear in every single size. We have like a full on like um, amazing makeup bar and like, you know, all kinds of hair accessories so that when you get out, you actually don't look like you got wet. So we can do that part for you. We have everything that you need. Maybe for some of you, you're saying, I just, I don't know because I was, I was baptized as an infant and I'm not sure I need to do that again. And I want to say to you today, that was my story. My parents chose to baptize me as an infant. I'm grateful that they did. But what that moment was, was their setting of an intention for me. They longed for me to follow Jesus, but there came a point in my life where I had to make that decision for myself. I had to say, this is my decision. I choose to follow Jesus. And some of you, you need to make that decision today. And what a beautiful fulfillment of you saying yes. You know, as I was praying for today and as I was thinking about this moment, I felt God say three clear things to me. All the rest of it has been stuff that I wrote, but these were the three clear things that I felt God wanted me to say to you today. The first is you are loved. And listen, there are some of you that really need to hear that right now. So I, I want you to lean in. I want you to like, listen, this is not me talking to you. This is the spirit of God speaking straight into your heart. You are loved. You are loved. God can take your mess and he can turn it into the most extraordinary message. There's nothing that you can do to earn God's love and there's nothing that you can do to get in the way of God's love. The second thing is that you're forgiven. You are forgiven. There is nothing that you have done or will do that will keep you from the forgiveness of God and you are his child. That probably should have only been the message today. You are loved, you are forgiven, and you are his child. You are his son. You're his daughter. That's your true identity. That's who you are in the light. And so in a moment, I'm going to invite us into a moment of baptism. And we simply say this every time. Baptism is just what transformation looks like in public. It's not the, the making of a Christian. It's the fulfillment of the decision to say, I am a Christian. I'm a follower of Jesus. And I'm going to pray for us in a moment. And as soon as I say amen, as soon as I say amen, I want to encourage you to walk right back outside of these doors. Those of you that are up in the balcony, you do not get a pass today. You are welcome and wanted. You can walk right out those doors and down the stairs. Our baptism team will lead you into the most beautiful of moments of baptism. And, you know, if you're here with a friend, I would say grab that friend with you and say, I need you to come with me. I need you to stand with me as I get baptized today, as I make this decision to follow Jesus today and to declare my yes in baptism. There are some of you here and you're married or you're engaged and, and, you know, for you, Maybe this is the moment for you to, to literally put Jesus at the center of your relationship. I know that there's a couple here today that is planning on getting baptized together. I saw them at the church this week. And this is what's so cool. Just today, we are running a two-for-one special. 
just today, so you don't want to miss this. Um, But this might be the best thing that you can do for your relationship. So I want to invite you to stand. I'm going to pray for us. And if this is you, if God is inviting you into baptism, I simply want to say, lean in, trust him. You will be so glad that you did. And so I want to invite you to open your hands just in a posture of saying, God, I am open to you. I am open to the movement of the Spirit in my life. And so, Jesus, I just simply say, come, Holy Spirit. Come, Holy Spirit. I pray that you would move in this space. I pray that if there is anyone right now that is even resisting God, that you would just soften that part of their heart. Open them to you, to how you are moving. Remind them, God, that they are loved. They are loved by you, that they are forgiven, and that they are your child. And if there is anyone here in this room that is yet to invite Jesus into a transforming relationship, I invite you to just pray these words quietly with me. Jesus, I invite you into my life right now. I invite you to be my savior. I invite your love. I invite your forgiveness. And I trust that I am in relationship with you because of your death and resurrection. And so Jesus, I ask that you would move like never before in this place. God, I pray that those that thought that they weren't going to be baptized today, God, that they would have a holy moment of saying yes to you and that this would be an overflow of your spirit in this house today. We pray this in the name of Jesus and all God's people said, amen. Let's celebrate our friends that are going to be baptized. If that is you, I invite you to go directly to the back and we can't wait to celebrate you as our baptism volunteers will meet you in the lobby.